Indeed, it is another privilege that God has granted to each of us to assemble and to do so in the formalism of offering to Him a worship that brings glory and majesty to His name. And we are thankful for the presence of each and every one. For a few moments this evening, we'd like to continue our consideration of that book of 1 Corinthians. And as much as you'll notice, last Lord's uh, Day evening, we had begun a brief study and series of that book. Since again, our Bible Bowl youngsters are also studying the same. In the few moments that we'll consider this evening, we'll make a few thoughts about chapters 2 and 3 of that book. And then, as we mentioned earlier, under the direction of our elders, we'd like to leave as much time as we can for Brother Jack to share with us about this mission trip that he's made to India and some of the features and the lovely work that's been done there. It is interesting, isn't it, as we reflect briefly on these two chapters, chapters 2 and 3 of the First Corinthian letter, we in fact come before us to appreciate that that previous lesson had highlighted some issues and developments and problems that the congregation in Corinth was facing. And among those difficulties were divisions, factions, separations in which people were following Peter, some Paul, some Apollo, some Christ. And that kind of circumstance was extraordinarily difficult and bad because only Christ had died for them. Only Christ was the one in whose name they'd been properly baptized. Only Christ was the one that should lead us to see the question, is Christ divided, 1 Corinthians 1.13. For those reasons, briefly tonight, notice how Paul begins the second chapter of this book. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know Jesus, not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified." Paul, though he could have lectured at length on any number of topics, only one thing was needful. Only one thing was that which was the order of the moment. And that was the preaching of Christ, the truth that he had set forth. And immediately that would have aided to set aside the differences and divisions that had been so problematic. Only Christ. Verse 5 would go on to say that their faith might stand, not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And today, isn't it still that should be our grand design that the faith of you and me and others ought to stand not in what men may think, but in what the God of heaven has so powerfully revealed. And that's what Paul wanted the Corinthians to understand as well. For that reason, later on in chapter number 2, he sets before them the grandeur in language like this. Notice verses 9 and following. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard. Neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. I have listed at the bottom of that slide a very brief consideration. That text has reference to the blessedness of what you're holding in your lap, perhaps the Scriptures. Notice Paul said, in terms of considering how great the Bible is, how great is it that God has revealed, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard. Have you ever thought about the Scriptures as being that fantastic, that terrific, that extraordinary? And yet, that's the very matter in which the Spirit, having searched the things of God and revealed them unto us, no wonder no book or other book compares to it. No wonder no other documentary, no other article, no other consideration of man compares with it. You and I have been blessed so majestically. No wonder we're admonished 
in 2 Timothy 2.15, to study, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. As we here at Pippin and other places seek to rightly divide it, implant it into our heart and follow that which God has revealed, you and I can see how great Paul considered it, and may you and I look upon it in exactly that same way. As you'll notice as chapter 3 opens, there is again a rather sad statement. Paul quickly, if I may summarize, says, I have not been able to speak to you concerning meal, or rather meat, but rather milk, because you were unable to bear it. Isn't that a tragedy? Here was a congregation of the Lord's people. Although they were beset by many circumstantial surroundings, problems in the nation of Greece, the city of Corinth, nonetheless it had impacted them. He says, I had to deliver milk to you. I had to speak to you because you were unable to bear the meat. What a sad statement. I wonder today if you and I could at least in passing character reflect upon what that says about a congregation of the Lord's people today and what it says about you and me individually. Doesn't it seem to indicate so easily? Paul wanted to deliver to them meat. He wanted to speak to them about things which they should have long since come to recognize, but now they were still wrestling over introductory features and minor matters. Doesn't it teach in the Word of God that you and I should have that desire to appreciate the need for growth? To grow in the nurture and admonition of the Lord is what our children are supposed to do. But notice the commandment delivered to us in 2 Peter 3.18. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. That matter of growth, may we consider it at Pippin and may you and I consider it individually. Are you growing as you should and am I doing the same? If so, all the other features God will take care of on those accounts. Here the church in Corinth, Paul wished for them to be in a far more mature state. How is your Christian maturity? May each of us strive to allow some of the teachings of the later part of this chapter. Notice verse 6, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Paul said there should be no divisions concerning Apollos and concerning these. Paul said, I've been fortunate to plant. Apollos in his laboring here has watered, but we're working together. It's not that we're working against each other. And that should be the same way in any loving, united congregation. Brethren who work together. Not one seeking a name above the others. Not one tending to have the fame and popularity. All of us should desire merely to appreciate that essentiality of grove, and to not have these divisions and factions that encumbered the Corinthian congregation. Finally, that leaves us with one other lesson, one other brief consideration as this chapter ends. You'll notice in verses 11 and following, this mighty anthem is asserted. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid which is Jesus Christ. The only foundation that Paul insisted for that congregation in Corinth, the only one needful was the bedrock foundation of the truth of Christ and the gospel that was based upon Him. No other foundation could even be considered. Nothing has changed in that light, has it? Today, although we live so many centuries removed, there is still but one foundation. And it is not what the world so often proclaims. It's not what we may be in instructed and taught 
It's what the Bible has said all along. What about your foundation in life? Is it nestled firmly and ever so snugly on the only foundation that will withstand the duress of time? The latter part of this chapter goes on to say, Every man's foundation and every man's work will be tested by fire. How will yours stand up and how will mine stand up? Paul said, If any man's work endures, that man in fact shall be mightily blessed. But if it does not endure... He says, that man himself may be saved, but he shall suffer loss. May you and I so labor that in this arena and in this time we shall have occasion for great rejoicing in that great day of judgment. A time when we can appreciate that our work withstood the test of time. And that others, we've been able to help them see what is the blessedness of the plan of salvation that they might have obeyed it and they too might enjoy that means of salvation. We'll consider and continue this discussion further on next Sunday evening as we look at some more matters from 1 Corinthians. But for right now, may I ask each of us, just as Paul would, on what foundation are you building? Have you given consideration to other things besides Jesus? If you have, why not make that right tonight? You know that all isn't well with you if that's the case. You know that your soul is skating extraordinarily thin ice and you have veered from the truthfulness of the Word of God. We're going to stand and sing a song of encouragement in just a moment and on that occasion it's an opportune time. And if you find yourself in need of a public response to the gospel, why not in fact let us assist you in obedience to that initial plan of salvation if that would be the need in your life. You know that the Scriptures command you to hear and you believe Christ as the Son of God, repent of your sins, confess His name as the Master, the only begotten Son of God, and be baptized for remission of sins. Upon so doing, live faithfully throughout life, looking forward to the grandeur of dying in the Lord if God shall allow this earth to continue. But if Jesus comes back still, to be found in faithfulness with His Word. If we could pray for your rededication, for your strength, why not let us do that? Brother Jonathan's chosen Psalm 71 is a hymn of encouragement. If we could help you, won't you come while together we stand and sing?